0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: In the gun episode number seventy nine, it's time for a Penn State recap here. As the first uh, weekend of results across college football, week one are uh, in the books here. Wesley Euler, this is ITG, your new favorite WV football podcast with the best teammates. In the business, the signal caller Jed Drenning and the runaway beer truck Owen Schmidt. This episode of ITG, as always, brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for all of your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, football, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live bets and all your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V at BetOnline, where the game starts. The games, I guess, technically started going last weekend, fellas, with some, some Week 0 slate, right? But this really the first kind of full jam pack, uh, full tilt here, full go weekend of college football. And uh, a couple headlines here before we jump into uh, to the Mountaineer Penn State recap. And uh, I tell you what, Big O, uh, maybe not a bigger headline this weekend than Colorado and Deion Sanders and what the Buffs were able to do. Uh, they go down to TCU, a team that was obviously just in the National Championship game last year, on the road, first game of a brand-new regime, uh, almost an entirely new roster, and uh, they outlast TCU there 45-42 in a thriller.
0: Yeah, what a what an absolute game, dude. Yeah. Um, Shootout to the very end, and uh, Dion getting it done. <laughs> I'd say, I mean, absolutely getting it done. Absolutely getting it done. He, you know, uh, there was a lot of criticism about kind of what he did when he came in, kind of, you know, basically turning that team upside down and got, a, a, you know, rid of basically almost the entire roster. But 10 guys, I if think. You think about what he did. You know, what I mean, if you think about what he truly did. In the old era, a head coach takes over. It takes four years for him to basically flip the script and get who he wants in there. Now with what's going on in college football, he was able to bring the guys he wanted in, right? Get his team, gel as as quickly as a team has ever geled before. Now he's basically turned the college football world upside down as far as how you can change your team in a year and what you can bring in and what you can do in a, in just a couple months honestly yeah uh and uh I, I mean he absolutely gets it done um on saturday i mean what a what an absolute thriller of a game against TCU the guys who played for the natty last year uh, completely impressed
2: yeah you expected TCU to come into this game with really a ticked off edge the last time they were on the field they were on the business end of that 65 to 7 shellacking against georgia uh well this wasn't the ticked off edge that we anticipated uh now tcu hardly played a flawless football game i mean chandler morris picked off twice in the end zone both those should have been points they got an off conference kicker that missed the 42 yard field goal very uncharacteristic for him but Turns out you can't blink against Colorado because they can score. I mean, the biggest thing I walked out of that thinking, guys, was Shadir Sanders. Hats off. I mean, he's legit. Five Bills in his first Power Five start. I mean, he was highly recruited. People tend to forget that before he went to Jackson State because of his dad. But he was absolutely legit those weapons that they have on the perimeter, they might have not one, but possibly two Heisman contenders. Now we're putting the cart before the horse because that's what you tend to do with week one action and week one results is overreact. That's what it's all about. But part of me looks at this thing and I think this might get really dangerous now because with those 87 new faces in that locker room, they're all believing proof of concept is now there. So they're truly believing. And part of building a program is handling success. And I was thinking, who handles success better than Deion Sanders? His whole life has been successful and handling that success very well to take the next step. Uh, Hats off to me, guys, not only to Sheree Sanders, because, again, I think he was the player of that game. But in addition to that, you've got an offensive coordinator that a year ago was the head coach at Kent. And Sean Lewis. What we talked about when Dion took that job, can he assemble the appropriate staff around him? We know he has the leadership skills. We know he's he's an inspirational type guy, but can he put the guys in position? Because I've talked to guys who coached against Dion when he was at Jack State, and it wasn't exactly shored up with what you were facing schematically. So that's obviously been addressed because offensively at least. That game plan was well thought out, well schemed, well devised. Great job by Sean Lewis and that offensive staff. Now, can they stop anybody? That's going to be an issue right out of the gate. I mean, giving up 42, but that's a very potent uh, TCU offense uh, that they had to deal with. But hats off to Dion. I mean, I was doubting this going in. A lot of people were doubting this going in, how this was going to work in this crazy environment against a good team with 87 new faces. Well, it worked well enough to win a shootout. So hats off to Dion uh, hats off to the staff uh, hats off to the 87 new kids. Now, can he continue his track record would suggest that over the arc of time, he'll find a way to do just that. Every coach in America, every conventional coach in America hated to see this outcome. Yeah. Our boy, our boy, Pat Narduzzi was
1: pissed. I tell you,
2: it all, him and everybody else, it almost speaks to a shortcut like Owen said that we've never before seen. So Stunning on one level, but it's going to be exciting, and it's exciting that he's going to be part of the new Big 12 starting next year too.
1: We are well. That is absolutely true. We are we're football in general as football fans, as football media, as ex players, in your two guys' cases. Like one thing that has to be the grain of salt to to kind of wrap up this this Colorado and 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 Dion conversation is it's one week. I mean, we, we do this in like every, every league, right. But particularly college football, where you don't get a preseason. Um, There's only 12 games in the regular season. And we react to every single one of them. Like it is, you know, um, the end all and the be all of a season, every single Saturday or Thursday or Sunday or Monday or whenever the games end up being right. But um this could be as high as I mean, legitimately, and I'm not saying like this, this could be as high as Colorado's season gets this year. They could come back down to earth this week against Nebraska. You want to talk about an intriguing one with Matt Rule and, and Prime next week and two first year coaches and two uh two programs trying to 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 get back their status. Um, but it is one week. We do this a lot in college sports. We panic after one week, or we crown somebody after one week, and it's a long season. Uh, but I tell you what, for Colorado, for Dion, that was about as as good as they could start, and uh, and we'll see if they can can keep it's that momentum rolling us. forward.
2: Yeah, you absolutely, positively must overreact to week one. It's the law. Every, yeah, every, like I, you guys,
1: I mean, like you guys probably remember you, again, and you do this, I get it because in football, it, it's not baseball where your team plays 162 games. Yes. It's not hockey or basketball where your team yes. plays 82 games or something like that. Um yes. <laughs> We, I, I mean, I, every year, right. When Tom Brady was with the Patriots every year, cause they, those guys would never play in the preseason. They'd come out week one and week two and they'd look flat. And every national analyst would, is this it for Tom Brady in new
3: England is bill
1: Belichick lost his magic touch. And then they'd win like 11 of their next 12 games and end up as the top seed in the AFC, yeah. right? Week one in football is the ultimate overreaction, underreaction. You're, you're going 12 and 0 and into the playoff. If your team yeah. wins and and the sky is falling and blow it all up. If your team loses. But like I said, this is about as good of a start as you could have had for Colorado. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, they're big time players too, having a big impact on that game. You mentioned Sanders. Uh, Travis Hunter as well, too, what he was able to do both sides of the football, just incredible. Uh, So certainly, whether you love him, whether you hate him, whether you're kind of in between, uh, that's going to be a story, uh, the Colorado Buffaloes that we will follow all year. And obviously, as Jed mentioned, them uh, heading into the Big 12 uh, what, about 11 months from now, 10 yeah. months from now as well, too, adds a uh, an even more intriguing angle to that for all of us. Another thank you to our friends at Toothman Ford. Folks, we all know cars cost less in Grafton. Make sure you're getting your butt to Grafton to uh, support Toothman, who do, does uh, great work for for our WVU student-athletes and NIL. Uh, maybe the, the next biggest um, headline, game, conversation piece, of course, Sunday night. Uh, LSU and Florida state down in Orlando camping world stadium there where uh, I know Jed's been there for a bowl game or two in the past to cover the Mountaineers. That was where the, that was the Russell Wilson NC state game was at that same stadium. Correct.
2: Miami Syracuse.
1: Yep. Miami. That's right. Syracuse. Yep. Yep. Uh, LSU FSU. Um, man, a comfortable win for the Knowles, and and this gets back to again, Jed, what I was just saying. Everyone's crowning Florida State now; they're going to win the ACC, they're going to the playoff, and everyone's well. LSU is Brian Kelly really the guy? Is this you know are they going to be all right? Are they going to uh you know go eight and four, or seven and five, or something this season and have a terrible year? It's one week, it's one game. Um, particularly when you start with a top ten matchup like that. But I tell you what, Jed, both of those teams looked pretty sloppy early on, which you get a lot in week one. But Florida State really did look like that team that uh, a lot of hype with them this year coming into this season and how they finished last year and what they were able to bring back and what they were able to add in the transfer portal. Uh, And they started off with a bang, the Seminoles as well, too, down there in Orlando.
2: Yeah, I'll be quick because we got to jump right into some WVU content here before we get to Big Daddy. But uh, my biggest thought was – the concern with LSU coming into the season was can they can they live and die without a feature back? Can Jaden Daniels be the only thing in their run game? And that seemed to be exposed against Florida State. First of all, Florida State. I'm a true believer that Jordan Travis, uh, he's the truth. I mean, behind center for for Florida State. I mean, that kid is Good a player. It's yeah. legit. Uh, I think Trey Benson's going to find his stride. Didn't necessarily do it against LSU, but for me, again, I'll be quick. LSU was effective throwing the football, almost three and a half bills for Jaden Daniels. But Jaden Daniels was, again, their leading rusher. But what struck me, they didn't even try and establish a run game. There wasn't even a pretense of a run game. When you look at Josh Williams, Noah Kane, Trey Bradford, they each carried the ball four times when Jaden Daniels was carrying it at 15. If you don't have somebody share the burden of that load with that quarterback, it, it's going to be tough sledding the SEC West. That's all I got for that one.
1: Completely agree. Uh, impressive win for North Carolina over South Carolina there as well, too, in the Battle of the Carolinas. But week one, not the juiciest slate. We'll have uh, more headline conversations for you as we roll along in the season. And obviously when we get into conference play and we have multiple top 25 matchups every single week. But obviously it is now uh, time for some uh, some WVU good and bad as the Mountaineers fall to uh, the Nittany Lions 38-15, to 15, the final score out there Saturday night in Happy Valley uh big o you want to get us off started here you got a good you got a bad where's your uh kind of your initial reaction your first thought on uh, on what we saw saturday night
0: oh man um <laughs> slightly bummed obviously the turnout uh, or not the turnout so much but j- just the overall result of the game uh would have liked to see um uh, a couple we you know we had some opportunities that we missed Um, I thought our boys played tough. I really did. I truly, I I truly thought about till the end. Um, man, can we run the ball between the tackles, (laughs) man, CJ Donaldson is a tough SOB. Uh, our front, what I'd like to call the spear, uh, Zach and the two guards. I mean, you talk about, we can, if we need a yard, we're getting a yard. Uh, that was super impressive. Um, you know versus the lions the the Ninti lions there uh coming into it in, in an impressive um you know so capacity crowd what was it the fourth largest crowd they've had there mm-hmm. um is that is that true the fourth yep, yep
1: fourth yep
0: fourth largest capacity and and uh you know just that that's kind of i guess where I, there were some missed opportunities i thought uh uh, Lamplighter, uh, that's what I'm calling him right now. Uh, he had a rough game. He had a rough game. Um, and I thought, you know, he he definitely needs some work. He needs coached up. thought he left a little too much space and against a, a good team like that. And that quarterback was impressive, I thought, from Penn State. Uh, did some really nice things. Uh, he made us kind of, you know, obviously look um, a little, you know, a little rough in the secondary, but uh, I thought our, our front guys played tough, and I thought the linebackers played tough. Lee Koba was all over the field, uh, yeah. but that, that's kind of my initial reaction. Bummer loss, but look, if this is what we got to go into for the rest of the season, we we have
2: we have something here. and We have something to look forward to, keep our heads up. Yeah, I think so, too. Jed- Jedger, uh, you, you, you want to hit it west, and I'll wrap it up.
1: Well, I think Owen. I mean, that was that was a, a nice little synopsis there from Owen. Um, there was there was certainly enough to like there. Um, there was certainly enough to dislike. Uh, I think all of us at halftime were thinking, "All right, I mean, it's fourteen seven game. We got them. You know, we're we're right in this. Where where we want to be? Um, I, you know, personally, we get the ball first, right? You get a first down." You end up punting, right? Stall. You stall out what seven, seven plays? I think six or seven plays. I think it was. But you get that first down. You don't go three and out. You punt the ball back and you pin them at their four yard line. Yep. Um, and I was thinking, okay, you know, you, you you flip the field there a little bit to start the game. Other than scoring points, that's about the best that you can do. You yep. got them pinned inside the five. Let, let let's go here, and they go four plays, ninety six yards. Was it right? I believe uh, to to score a touchdown. And I thought. Oh man, we might be in some trouble, but the next thing, you know, you look up a few minutes later and it's seven to seven and, and and every time in that first half and even throughout most of the third quarter that you thought, okay, this could get away from us right here. WVU made a play or they're, you know, we're able to bow up like Jed always says down near the red zone and we force a field goal and they end up and Penn state ends up missing that field goal. Right. So I'm, I'm with you in a game that we knew heavy underdogs, crazy environment, um, I thought that there were a few opportunities for that game to get away from us. And, and they hung in there. They found ways to make plays. They did. Like I said, got a little fortune with some uncharacteristic mistakes from Penn state as well, too, but you'll have that week one. Um, but I was very encouraged by like, what Owen said as well, too. I Listen, if we can run the football like we did on Penn State Saturday night, I mean, that's going to be the best defense. That's going to be the best team we face all year. C.J. Donaldson looks like he's healthy and recovered from that injury last season. Our offensive line, I thought, very much so held their own. They had some moments where they struggled, but they had some moments where they really asserted their will as well, too. Um, particularly, I mean, you could see – when, when Zach Frazier was going, when CJ was going, I mean, they were, you know, they were five, six, seven, eight yard totes in there. Uh, Same with Garrett green. We can talk about through the air being a little, a little bit of a mixed uh, result there, but on the ground, um, I think that was a great starting point for, again, like we've talked about what needs to be the strength of this team uh, moving forward this season to have the type of year that you want to have. My biggest kind of, Negative takeaway and, and this might Date back to to last year a little bit as well Too but you just need you need more pop On offense um, A lot of the games that we were able to win last Season were games where our offense Was scoring those 40 Yard 50 yard 60 yard Touchdowns and I know that in this type of game you you Couldn't make mistakes you had to limit those Opportunities you had to play it close to the vest All like I, I'm, I'm not naive I understand What the game plan was But going forward, you got to have explosive plays to win in college football. You got to have explosive plays to win in the Big 12 Conference. Um, I would like to see a little bit more of those. I'm, I'm glad to know that we can run the football and we can grind it out. But it seemed like every time there was an opportunity for those explosive plays, either the throw wasn't there or the route wasn't there or the protection wasn't there. And honestly, we just weren't quite often really looking to take shots downfield. One game, I just talked about this a few minutes ago, big the big overreactions, all these different things from from just 60 minutes of football now and a very small snapshot to start the season. Um but that's one thing that I kind of thought myself thinking about yesterday, Sunday, Monday as well too, Jed was just a fine starting point from the offense, but they're gonna need some more pop going forward here this season.
2: I agree with that. Uh again, I'll I'll cut through it here. Uh Big Daddy was was there to smell it with me, and he's in the waiting room for us. So uh, offensively, well, let's start defensively. Defensively, we talked about it. We swelled up and bowed up in the red zone. That's what we did last year when we played our best football. And this was against a premier offense, a big physical, big 10 offense, and we bowed up in the red zone. People say, well, yeah, they missed those field goals. Well, guess what? If you don't stop them on third down, there are no missed field goals you're creating your own luck there. And in both those third-down situations, one of them, I watched Lee Koba. I put this on Twitter. I watched Lee Koba perfectly time a B-gap blitz on third and eight and knock a 6'4", 348-pound guard straight on his can and flush Drew Isler out into a batting completion. On the second one it was third and ten. We ran a stunt executed it perfect, perfectly. Eddie V. forced the double team, drew the attraction of the eyes of the left guard. Here comes Trey Lathan. Boom! Pressure out goes Allard. No chance. I mean, he, they completely destroyed the pocket. Those are two consecutive critical, critical third downs that the defense did a great job with. And oh, by the way, the question for Will linebacker was answered. How was it answered? Lee Coba played most of the game at Will Linebacker. Trey Lathan played the lion's share of the game at Mike Linebacker. So they swapped it out, and we saw how that worked. That worked very well. That's why they cross-trained these guys all summer. That's why they cross-trained them in camp. So that worked out. Who knows how it looks going forward, but now you put yourself with options. The bad defensively, obviously we know the big plays. I think you can summarize the the game in microcosm, was that 72-yard touchdown on the opening drive. We almost got to him. We had him confused, Drew Aller, with the look that we provided. They max protected, just like we talked about. They ran the ball the first couple times, and they max protected with a three-man route, took a deep shot with deep crossers. It's that old divide route that uh, Alabama used to run with Sarkeesian and Devontae Smith. Remember the success we had against Iowa State? With, uh, with Jarrett Daigie hitting Bryce Ford Wheaton for those touchdowns back with the pylon, same divide concept, deep crossing routes. And what ended up happening was we didn't quite get home with the pressure. Aller keeps his eyes upfield, sees a matchup that works in his favor with that guy streaking past Robbie Burks, boom, 72-yard touchdown. So too many big plays in the secondary. I do like what I saw out of Beanie Bishop. I think there's possibilities there. Beanie Bishop made some plays for us. Uh and then the other thing is no turnovers forced. Again, that was a shortcoming of yours, ours defensively last year. If you could have just tripped one, because we had some chances. There were a tipped ball. Beanie dropped a pick in the end zone. Beanie almost had the pick that Tommy had. Tipped. I think it was Tommy that p- tipped that thing, or was it was it uh, Hawkins? One of the two. I can't remember. But there was a tipped ball. We had some opportunities, so we were playing the ball in flight. And last year we weren't doing that, so that's a step in the right direction, uh, from a special team standpoint. And then I'll close with the offense. Again some good some bad we had we pinned them twice inside the 20 which is you know we, we've gotten very used to that we've gotten spoiled by that so when the shanked punt comes up after the three and out to start the second half you're like whoa that's that's a bad situation to give them a short field and that's when they took that 21 to 7 lead uh from an offensive standpoint, the good obviously you guys talked about it if you can run the football against this defense now you know when you show up you can run the football against any defense. So rushing yards, I think, turned out even, 146 apiece. And when you're doing that against Penn State on their turf in front of their people, uh, that shows that you can you can really uh, run the football and be effective when it counts. Uh, we played a clean football game. Five penalties, uh, that's not to talk about Penn State, okay? One flag for five yards, I, I'm telling you right now, they're not the first college football team in history to go 60 minutes without holding. I've watched the tape. Okay. And there's some egregious holds. All we're asking is for one or two that are egregious. I mean, even on the horse collar call that wouldn't, it should have been offsetting penalties because there was a hold on that. That was pretty egregious, but that didn't determine the outcome of the game. We played pretty clean with this big 10 crew. There were only five penalties. We didn't turn the football over again. Garrett making a start in front of 110,000 people directing traffic. Operationally, I thought we were pr- pretty clean there. Uh, again, what I'd say is no big plays is one of the shortcomings. We need some big plays in the pass game. You get Gotta the sense pop. they'll come in the run game, but in the pass game, uh, they didn't come. And, and I'll close with this. I, even though it was scoreless in the middle eight, we always talk about the middle eight, the final four minutes, the first half, first four minutes, the second half. It, technically, it was scoreless. But you kind of got the sense we lost some opportunities. And and why I say that, you had that missed field goal by Penn State. and gave us the ball with two minutes to go in the first half, down 14-7. to What did we do? We three and outed. So I revisited and really scrutinized that three and out. First down, we had a quarterback counter. You know, we had linebacker Kobe King for Penn State. He, He had great pursuit from the backside on a run blitz. We still picked up four yards by Garrett. But I'll tell you what, had Kobe King not got home and got a hold of his shoulder, there was a bit of a scene there. And I think we're looking at 12, 15 yards, maybe make a safety miss. And you know what happens with, with Garrett if he makes that safety miss. So instead, it's second and six. Second and six, they kind of busted things up with a run blitz. They stunted. We didn't respond to it very well. And they held CJ to no gain. So that turned into a third and six. Uh, 10 personnel, we go We go four wides, we come out with basically a switch route, which is a rail by the slot and a slant by the outside receiver on both sides. And this is when they got us with one of those creeper pressures. It looked like a true cover one, guys, but what they did was they, they showed a six-man pressure, and instead of bringing six men, uh, they dropped the linebacker, Abdul Carter, and he read Garrett's eyes, and what was happening to the boundary, we had the slant open. Cortez Brand was running the slant with the benefit of that mesh off of the real route by Preston Fox. So he gets a clean release on the slant and he's open and Garrett sees it. He's getting ready to hit him on a strike and maybe a big play, but instead the potential sixth rusher was Abdul Carter, number 11, the backer and he drops from his blitz position into the throwing lane to choke down the throwing lane to that slant because he was reading Garrett's eyes. So they got us on that one. That's one of those times those creepers got us. Pocket collapses. Garrett had to kind of struggle and lost a couple yards instead of a big completion. And the same thing in the second half. The defense played one of its better possessions the entire game in the second half. You had a three and out to start the second half against Penn State's offense. It started with a great play by Lee Koba, great tackle by Beanie. Uh, Then a third and three, we rolled the dice on that third and three, went press cover zero and brought the house. And we caught a break because it was an errant throw by Aller because he had the slant open against our free safety, Aubrey Burke. But it was an errant throw because of the pressure. That pressure came clean off the edge, and it rattled Drew Aller just enough to uh, impact that throw. So we get the football back, and we have a three and out. And that was that same uh, situation, that was that same possession where we had the false start illegal formation, whatever it was they ended up calling on Cortez Bray. I mean, it was legit. I went back and watched the tape. It was legit. So that run by Johnson should have come back. Uh, but we put ourselves in a bad spot there in the second and 12 after that play. Uh, we had an opportunity coming off a play action kind of RPO pass with a skinny. They went with a combo coverage on the second and 12, or maybe it was the third now, one or the other. But. They had a one-safety look to the wide side of the field, and we ran a skinny inside of him, and they had no deep player on the deep back half, and we were getting ready to encroach on that. And the next thing you know, they got too much pressure. And, again, they had a look that we didn't handle that well, and it forced a quick throw, two quick throws in a row by Garrett, by good pressure by Penn State. But two opportunities by the offense that were two, three and outs, and those were yeah. both in the middle eight. So th- that's, that's something we have to develop and have to improve on. So with that, back to you, Wes.
1: Yeah, well said. That's kind of a that's a I think a solid synopsis there of our first of uh of 12 snapshots of this regular season. Easy to overreact, easy to uh crown people and uh and bury people, but uh just again, one of those snapshots against a very tough opponent in a tough environment. Some good there to to hang your hat on and uh some bad that that needs to improve again if you're going to have the type of season. That we're all hoping we can have. We're going to take a break here. When we come back on the other side. We'll catch up with our buddy Big Daddy. We uh, previewed the Penn State atmosphere with him. We'll uh, we'll see if it lived up to the billing uh, whenever we get Sean here on the other side. Wesley Euler, Jed Drenning, Owen Schmidt, you are in the gun.
2: Nobody supports the blue and gold Mountaineers like
3: Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guarantee to, to save you thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less, in Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com.
0: For
1: more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at in the Gun
0: Podcast.
1: For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations. With more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit Fortis.us.com. Fortis. Roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed
0: let's go mountaineer fans you're tuned in to in the gun with wes the runaway beer truck and the signal caller
1: back in the gun here as we continue our uh, penn state recap game number one in the books joining us now our friend your friend good friend of the program here sean big daddy mariner all right big daddy on the spot right away here to get us going Last week, you guys talked about Inner Sandman at Virginia Tech and how it was cool, but maybe the hype was a you know the um, a little more sizzle than steak, right? I think that's the phrase I'm, I'm looking for here. So I told you you wouldn't be disappointed by that atmosphere, 110,000 people waving pom-poms, crazy waves splitting and back and forth and this and that. So talk to me. Were you underwhelmed? Were you overwhelmed? Were you just properly whelmed? What was it like out there at Beaver Stadium?
3: In honor of ten things I hate about you, I think you can in France just be well. Oh it was it, it, it was much right down the middle. I think they didn't do the wave, but the pom palm poms were crazy. <laughs> yeah, there were no there was no wave action when when West Virginia ran out. It was absolutely like that was it. It was like okay, we're here. Yeah, and, Deafening. Uh, yeah. About it last week, like I grew up going there, but not for games. I grew up not liking Penn State. My grandfather was a Mountaineer. My dad was a Mountaineer. So we grew up not liking them. I was at the midfield during pregame, during warm-ups, filming some stuff. And I turned around at the 50, and I saw Coach Sider gave him a little wave. And I just looked, and I was like, dude, this place is pretty packed during warm-ups. And I looked at the Penn State uniforms. I was like, "It's this is surreal to be here with that. So. And yeah, the pom pom were wild.
2: It just, just the right amount of booing when we ran out, right, Big Daddy? Did you notice that? It was just a, they get it. I mean, it was just enough booing. First of all, you're right. It was deafening when we came out. But then somehow, even in the midst of all the cheering and screaming for Penn State, we heard, definitely heard the booing. And that yeah. was just enough. Yeah.
3: We're not Ohio State or Michigan, so they don't despise yeah. their record against us is, you know, 10,000 to one. So it's not like, but they were still like, yeah, we don't, we don't, we know it. We get it.
1: I was uh I was told by a Penn Stater, a, a a friend, season ticket holder, um, who has been going to games for 20 years, um, that he was very impressed by the by the WVU turnout. He said, other than Ohio State fans, he said I think that's the most opposing fans I've ever seen at one of our games. He said more than Michigan, more than Auburn when they had that series with Auburn, more than Alabama. You know they played they played home and home with Alabama a decade or so ago, I think. Um, he said he said I know it's a holiday weekend and all that and those games at the beginning of the year usually like that because people have extra time to travel and it's kind of like the last hoorah of summer and all that he's like but considering where you guys kind of are you know coming off of back-to-back losing seasons not a ton of hype around the program he was like I was very surprised by the WVU represent like pleasantly surprised by the WVU representation he said other than Ohio State I think you guys were the, the best traveled fan base that that comes to Beaver Stadium
3: I believe it. I believe it completely. I I told you guys before we started, I got 28,000 steps in. I walked 12 miles Saturday because I hit a couple different tailgates. We got there early. I just went to go see people and just walking around all those tailgate lots. There were so many West Virginia fans. There were a lot of half and half t-shirts. Mom was wearing West Virginia. Dad was wearing Penn State. The kids are in half and half, vice versa. So I knew it would be a good turnout. And then when we got into the stadium and it was
2: packed, I looked around and it was... It was pretty solid. Do we have the numbers? Who won last week? Because That's I think te- we're looking at here, guys. Uh well, first of all, we'll give the official attendance turn a second. Uh Skylar, uh, I'll I'll speak slowly, so I'll give you a chance to throw up your beautiful graphics as we say this. Okay. <laughs> Let's start from low to high. Owen last week picked 109,000 even. That was for Owen. Uh Big Daddy, you picked 110,000. Oh, excuse me. Wes was second highest. West picked 109,889, 109,889. I was Big about 900 Daddy, people off, yeah. You were you were next highest, Big Daddy, 110,423. Ooh. And I was 110,000. I remember, the record's 110,889. I predicted us to break the record because they hadn't played open at home in three years, yada, 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 did a lot of buzz. 110,900. Was my pick. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the actual official attendance, drum roll please, 110,746. Now, here you go. We're playing by prices, right? Rules. So even though I was only 154 off, which was the closest, I'm over. So yeah, my business I lose, Big Daddy wins at 110,423. But the
3: graphic on the board, I texted everybody and I was like, who
2: got it? Please tell me it
3: was me. I think I was Big close. Daddy and I were talking about it as we were looking at the board. Yeah. yeah. We were on the sidelines. And I kind of believe it. It was so packed in there that Jed and I wonder, you know how there's a little bit of there's a little bit of fuzzy math sometimes with attendance, depending on we what the school is. yeah. Since we aren't Well, there is a there's our, a university I wonder
2: if. We were a little higher up there, but they're like, no, now, no. see big Yeah, we think we broke the record and they lied mm-hmm. about it because we're not Ohio State and they'll just say yeah, hey, we'll yeah, say it's a new record. That was Ohio.
1: kinda my that was my thesis. You know? That was my thesis last week, right? Was yeah. that they won a big ten on big ten matchup to be the record because, you know, we know how big ten and SEC people are. They you know, When they're in the shower, they they have happy thoughts about the how great the conference that they play in is and how, oh, my gosh, oh, Big Ten, oh, SEC football. (laughs) So, listen, I'm not completely against that conspiracy theory, although speaking of conspiracy theories, I heard there was some uh, unidentified
3: foreign objects flying around central
1: Pennsylvania. What was going on here?
3: I need it known that I am simply the mouthpiece for a litany of information that was handed to me.
0: <laughs> it See now that's that's, exact, Owen, Owen, that's exactly
3: Oh, and oh, and
1: that's exactly that's exactly what somebody with insider information <laughs> would say, right?
3: Or <laughs> hedging. So we stayed at the Bedford Omni Springs. Never been to the resort before. Lovely. We pull up. It's about nine o'clock, so it's already dark out. Bus four has to go to the furthest corner to unload and get some of the people off. We're walking over to our table outdoors to pick up our hotel room keys. Oh, and you remember those days? Slide to the table, get your key the director of operations goes, did you see it? I go, did I, did I see what? He goes, I don't believe in aliens. And right there was like, okay, we're off. Here we go. We're off to a start. (laughs) I don't believe in them. But I looked up in the sky and it looked like a centipede and it was like moving. There were lights. And I was just like, okay, all right. And he goes, you don't believe me. You believe nutritionist. One of the nutritionists comes over and she goes, I saw it too. I saw it. So (laughs) Great. 20 minutes later, my cousins in Reading, Pennsylvania, are drinking around their campfire. I've been texting with them a little bit. They send me a picture. Skylar has the picture. I've sent it out to everybody. Sends me a picture of these lights aligned in the sky and says, dude, are we this drunk or is this really happening right now? And I said, back, you know, our, I've had multiple people here in Bedford, Pennsylvania, tell me that they saw the same thing sleep wake up the next morning first text i have from my cousins is a block script from a newspaper article that said for those of you who may have seen a row of lights in the sky that was the new spacex satellite from blah 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 i'm like all right here we go
1: just blame it on elon musk right easy easy answer
2: there Wes. talk about having to watch it on twitter for those listening and not watching it on twitter and oh by the way you need to go to believe.com and get used to that but on youtube i should say on on youtube not on twitter we're gonna post the picture that Big Daddy's cousins sent him. So please, before the government takes the picture yeah. down, which so- they will. I hope X Files Music's playing behind us right now. As uh, soon as, please, as soon as Sean is Sean's YouTube. gonna
1: get like dragged back from his couch there and like pulled away, and the screen's gonna cut black here in about three minutes. You said
2: Elon <laughs> Musk and my mind went to Twitter, but please on YouTube, check out the picture from Big Daddy's cousins of what is it? What is it not? We don't know. You decide well, you know what, Sean.
1: I mean, nothing like some, nothing like some Philly. For some Philly bows out in Redding, you know, about a dozen beers deep. Oh, my goodness. You see that John up there in the sky.
3: Just crushing (laughs) the bat. Forward, you see them lights in the sky. Like, all right. right.
1: You see them lights up there, that John. I tell you what, it was nice and
2: bright. You see that? It was like Kelly Green.
1: It looked like the new Eagles jerseys. I thought it was. I
2: got there around six, I I don't know, two, three hours for the team. Uh, So I was kind of taking care of this, taking care of that. And by the time the team showed up, the same individual, who bared witness to what big daddy was talking about was in the lobby talking to our football SID. And and I was like, wait, what? So I walked up. No, I had to hear it. And then somehow big daddy's name came up. So I texted big daddy and I'm like, you got to
3: send me this picture. So I'm just the disseminator of information. That's all it was. Now that said Mm -hmm. they did get into some conspiracy theories and I have heard one that I would like to share again. I do not know whether I believe in this or not. I simply think it's a wonderful theory, there are not aliens visiting us from other planets. Humans in the future have figured out time travel, and they are coming back to study this time period. They're tourists. And as much back-to-the-future references as possible, then that's what I'm going to believe. You said conspiracy theory. I thought
2: for sure you were going straight to Big Ten officiating. That's right. Wow. Well, since, since it was a Big Ten crew Saturday night. I'll no, say hold- this, guys. When we got there, I thought we were off to something special, and I viewed this as a very good sign. Uh, when it was free valet. First of all, I drove up and I was like, I never use valet, but when it's free, I do. So yeah. I'm talking to the valet crew and the guy at the podium, when I went up there, I get to discussing this with them. And one thing leads to another. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm giving him my license or giving him my name. And this guy said, what's your name? And I told him, and he said, my name's Drenning, Chuck Drenning. And I said, you got to spell that D-R-E-N-N-I-N-G. I was like, wait, what? I, now, to give you some frame of reference, I've never met a Drenning I'm not related to. I've met Drennings, all, all kind of different versions of the name, not D R E N N I N G. I said, where are you from? Oh, right here in Bedford. I grew up here. Got a whole family here. So there's a family up there. I said, dude, I'm telling you, a coal miner slipped loose 100 years ago and came up here wow. and there's, there's a happened. So I brand- met up with a buddy of mine who I played at Glenville with who happens to coach and live in bed for the next morning. He said, oh, yeah, there's a grinning family here in town. I met the guy when we were checking into the hotel, and I thought, all right, that means something, right? But not as much as I wanted it to.
3: Jed found a long-lost relatives. Uh, I did. Wes, you were talking earlier. We've got a bunch of Penn State friends, family that, that we all know, obviously, so close. So many people texted me about Zach Frazier during this game about what an absolute beast he was. And then Jed, you were posting clips earlier of, uh, you know, some of the protection schemes and everything. The one where Frazier jumps out from center and swings out to the tackle spot to pick up that end. I was just like, that's, that's what people are seeing who might not even know football that well and going, Oh God, this guy's a beast. He's the best. Owen,
1: Owen, Owen highlighted this, uh, for us earlier, but, um, that short yardage play that we ran with Garrett right behind him. And I don't remember if it was, was it, Cole, was it Cole? Or was it one of the other tight ends who gets right behind him and pushes like it, it's like, it's like Jalen hurts and 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 Jason Kelsey and what the Eagles did yeah. in those situations all year too. And, you know, had the 95% fourth down conversion or whatever the heck it was. Uh, yeah. Zach Frazier dog.
2: Uh, Guys, I was he's going to be—he's good. He's
1: going to be uh, at the combine, and he's going to be a a top sixty pick in the NFL, sixty-seven. Among pick our in the starters,
2: could start for Penn State, and the, the ones that jump to mind—you start with Zach. Zach's starting for Penn State. He's playing for Penn State. Now, he's
1: starting for every team in the country except for maybe. He's the Jewish best center
2: team. in America. I think yeah. one of our tackles would start for Penn State. Now they would battle it out to start at right tackle, opposite their left tackle. Uh, now outside of that, I think Devin Carter would be right there with the best of the receivers and his frames different than almost almost
1: was before he flipped his commitment, right? Yeah, he
2: almost did. Yeah. Uh, Flipped a commitment to come to West Virginia, but uh, I would say he would start. And then I think there's a possibility. And this is what, one of the things that hurt us is Aubrey Burks didn't play very good football the other night uh and and i think he could start for them potentially in that back end with them he's that type of player but those are the names that come to mind we can explore others but cj i mean think about that cj might struggle to start for penn state and that says a lot but but uh, it just speaks to not just the the level of talent talent but the volume of talent it's a very talented team but zach zach's the best center in america i mean i bar none uh in terms of consistency you just expect him to show up and go about his business and take care of it. And, and yeah, if you, if you need 18 inches, if you need a yard or less, uh, I would say that barring a couple of circumstances, you're probably going to find a way to get it. If you have an athletic quarterback lined up behind Zach Frazier and a six foot seven tight end pushing him. So when you got all those pieces in place, why not? Things work.
3: Maybe, maybe the only
1: person that could stop that is that, Four hundred pound defensive tackle from TCU. <laughs> yeah. We'll cross. We'll cross that bridge. When we get there in a few weeks. Uh, Sean, last one I've got for you. Uh, did you get any Creamery ice cream? Did, did you not, Did you get no. the Creamery
3: good stuff? They had it upstairs in the press. Yeah, in, in the press. I saw everyone tweeting pictures of it angelica and ryan decker from our friends over at gold blue went up i did not get to go up in the press box to get it and and again one of the people that was texting me about zach frazier just kept saying did you get creamery did you get cream i've been to penn state four times now never
2: been never been and it needs some point did you you didn't go to the to the meal room even that big daddy was we were a, a level below it and you had to go up to this other level. And my, you thought you were going the wrong way. Migrate all the way down past press row. And it's kind of hidden back in this. You're like, wait, what? You, you certainly thought that you're like, I can't be going the right way. But wait, sure enough. enough, you end up fine. It was just a strange setup.
3: Ugh, but I need some creamer in my life.
1: <laughs> Don't we all? Don't. We all. All right. Anybody got anything else for uh, for Big Daddy as we wrap this up?
2: Speak now or hold your peace. Big Daddy closed with the thing that most impressed me with that environment. I was impressed by their student section. Yeah. I oh, was.
3: I mean, I talked about that a
2: little
3: bit. Drove everything. It was incredible. There was not. Even when they played some of the same songs over and over and over again, even near the end, the student sections yeah. picked up the slack and were like, "Yo, we're still going to keep this going. It was Shakers every single time. Yeah. Shakers. One hell of a job. Yeah, great. That's job. right.
1: You don't call them pom poms, right? You call them shakers because it sounds more manly.
0: <laughs> it is football.
1: See, Owen... <laughs> Owen. gets it. Owen gets it. Well, gentlemen, uh, Sean appreciated your time here. A great, uh, great insight. Great recap, as always. Let's uh, let's kick some Duke Wesley butt here in a few days, and then season really starts on September sixteenth. That's what I I kept telling that, like, as everybody was texting me Saturday night. I kept, I kept, I said that to so many people. I was like, "You were probably always going to lose to Penn State. You were always going to beat Duquesne." Season starts September September 16th against Pitt. Let's roll.
3: Zero and zero so started. Let's have,
1: again. let's have a good week of practice. Let's get out, let's get out of here clean and with a with an easy, stress free victory on Saturday, and then we'll really ramp this thing up again about a week from now. He is Sean Mariner. I'm Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business, Jed Drenning, and Owen Schmidt. A final thank you to Fortis for presenting this episode of ITG. For roof performance and financial security guaranteed, make sure you visit Fortis.us.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this edition of ITG. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with our Week 2 picks, and then obviously uh, later in the week with a uh, with a Duke Quesney preview here in the gun as well. So plenty. To keep uh, in tune for the one thing we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. And as Jed alluded to earlier, make sure you subscribe in po- the uh, correct podcast feed, right? The Believe podcast feed, the one with Owen hurtling that poor soul, <clears throat> Devin McCordy from Rutgers uh that's where uh we will live long term in the podcast feed land but of course for all the beautiful visual elements and graphics and sean's magnificent beard and all these things that that you want to see uh make sure you're subscribing on youtube as well at in the gun podcast take care everybody and we'll talk to you tomorrow you've been in the gun